0: Praise God. Well, good morning, guys. Welcome to Four Points Church. Who's really enjoying the rain outside? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm glad that you are. Glad that you're enjoying it. It was so fun yesterday. It seemed like just before I was going to walk from my house to the car or from the store to the car. Like, that's when it would just come down in buckets. Like, it would just come down in sheets. And I would just get absolutely drenched. Like, the rain yesterday was just laughing at my umbrella. Like, it was not even there. Like, I just decided I need to go to the store and get one of those golf umbrellas, you know, that, like, really covers everything. Um, But we had a lot of fun in the rain, you know. But something about the rain I was thinking about this morning, especially with the songs that we just sang, is we we are, guys, we're all here today. Who would agree with me that life is messy? Anybody feel like life is messy? You know, but sometimes when I see the rain just pouring down like that, just washing the pollen off my car, can I get an amen? I just think of the love of God. Do you know the love of God is like that? Like it will just wash over you. Like no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what you're feeling, if you and I will just open our eyes, if we will just open our hearts to receive the love of God, it will drench us, it will cover us, it will wash it all away. We're going through a series here at Four Points called Better Together, which is really a sermon series going through the book of Philippians. We talked about it some last week. Um, The book of Philippians is actually a letter, it's a letter that Paul wrote to a small church in the city of Philippi in northern Greece. And today we're going to get into a passage, still in chapter one, but a little later in the chapter, where we're going to get to see some of the mess going on in Paul's life. Mess that I think will also apply and encourage you and I. Because all of us would admit that life is messy. Do you know it's not unspiritual to admit that? I mean, we're not gonna post on our Instagram account how messy our lives are. Some of you do, right? Some of y'all need Instagram less. Um, (laughs) We typically don't put the bad stuff. You know, I think I joked before, it's like I love to post when I start showing up at the gym. I don't post about it when I'm not going to the gym, you know? I'm not like, hey, feast your eyes, check me out. You know, but I want you to know when I'm working on it because you're all thinking, you know, good job, Phil. You really should be um, working on it. But we all go through mess in our lives, right? Our lives are like seasons. You know, for us, some days go by and it feels like we're we're sitting on a beach, holding a drink, looking at the ocean waves, watching the kids play in the sand. Like everything is great. In other seasons of our life, it's like the rain is falling and it just won't stop. Some days feel like we're living the dream. Some days feel like everything is going right. Some days we're just really excited about something exciting happening in our lives, right? You have a child. You get the promotion. You get recognized at work. Your tax return's bigger than you expected, cha-ching. Your favorite team is winning. I'm a Cleveland Indians fan. They suck right now. Pray for me. (laughs) Your friendships are drama-free. You've got your core group of friends. Everything's going good, just sailing. Your family is drama-free. Your marriage is strong and mutually fulfilling. Both of you are just dialed in. You can finally afford that dream home you've always wanted or that dream vacation you always wanted to take. We all have these summer seasons in our life. We all have these times where we feel like we're living the dream. A couple of years ago, I was riding in the car on vacation. We take our kids to this place, Wilderness in the Smokies. Sometimes I joke with my wife and call it Wilderness in the Smokies. Um, Because our kids love to go down water slides. It's about the only place on earth you'll catch Phil shirtless, because I don't know anybody um, there. So I don't mind that. Um, But we were riding in the car. I think we were coming back from lunch, and I was holding my wife's hand in the van, and she looked over at me, And she said, you know, Phil, I'm just so happy in my life with you. Man, I tell you, that was like the greatest day of my life, right? Like I was just, I was in that moment in that car, nothing could make me sad. Nothing could make me disappointed. Someone could have ran into me and my car could have been totaled and I still would have been smiling. Because the circumstances in my life were good. But do you know that things can happen and do happen that make our lives feel like life itself is a burden. Have you been there? Like hope is just out of reach. Do you ever feel like that? We lose a child. We're unable to have a child. You get passed by at work again. You owe more taxes than you thought you were going to get. Been there. Your relationships seem to be falling apart around you. Your marriage seems to be falling apart. You've been so disappointed that you stopped dreaming a long time ago. Have you been there? You see, life has seasons that we all go through. But what do we do in times like this? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Here's what Paul says to the Philippians. It's a great name for a city, by the way. I'm a Philip. (laughs) Named it after me. Philippians chapter one, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Last week when we opened up the book of Philippians, I gave a little context about how Paul, when he first showed up in Philippi, probably the first person to bring the gospel to Europe Like Paul shows up and he casts this demon out of this girl who, because of having a demon in her, is sort of prophesying and telling the future for people. And so some Philippians get really mad at him and he gets thrown in prison with Silas. A short amount of time goes by, remember, and there was a giant earthquake and the prison foundation shook and all the doors came open and all the chains came off. And Paul and Silas were released from prison and the jailer, he's about ready to commit suicide because he knows that he's going to be executed if even one of those guys escape. But Paul refuses to leave. He stays there and says, hey, don't do it. Remember? And he leads this jailer to Christ, ends up going to the jailer's house for an after party. Like it's a really good story. But here's what's different. Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church. And guess what? Paul is in prison again. And this time there's no earthquake. And this time his chains aren't falling off. We don't know exactly how long Paul's been in prison, but it may have been years. And if you think our prisons are bad here, I mean, Paul was in this mud brick room. I mean, it had to be absolutely miserable being tortured and beaten and barely fed for years Maybe. The people Paul's writing to remember the miracle. They remember when he was released from from prison, but not this time. Paul is sitting in a jail cell when he's writing this letter. Let's start at verse 18. It's a funny thing for Paul to say being in prison. (laughs) Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ would be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. See, guys, Paul didn't even know if he was gonna be alive tomorrow. He was riding in a prison cell. He could be executed at any time. Paul had no idea. What was around the corner for him? He was just committed, whether by my life or by my death, Christ will be glorified in my body. Verse 21, for to me, he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. He's talking about his ministry. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart, to depart life, to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this. See, Paul had been thinking he'd come to a point of decision. Convinced of this. I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. But whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, meaning still in prison. I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Now, I like watching reality TV shows. I don't care if it's about race cars or garbage men. You guys already know that's one of my dream jobs is to be a garbage man when I was a kid, riding on the back of a garbage truck. But this is real, guys. Like we're getting a view. I and mean, this, this is the Apostle Paul, man. He's seen Jesus. He's seen miracles. But there's this tension in him, guys, where he's, he's starting to grieve life. It's like, God, can I punch out yet? Is it time yet? This is hard, God. I've been in prison for a while. I know that it's good for me to be here to minister, but I I don't know what I want more. To be with you or to be here. I want to walk us through three truths that I think we can identify in this passage that will apply very quickly to our own lives. The first one is this. We all find the end of ourselves. We all find the end of ourselves. What does Paul mean when he says to live as Christ and to die is gain? Well, it means a lot of things, but one thing it means for sure is that Paul is recognizing that his situation is difficult and that he doesn't have the ability to change it. Paul is in prison. His situation is very difficult, but he doesn't have any power over it. He has no authority over it. There's nothing Paul can do to get out of jail. It doesn't matter what he tries, he won't get out. Paul is not MacGyver, right? MacGyver, a fictional guy, he might've found a way to get out of prison, right? He's not Liam Neeson. Who loves the series Taken? Gosh, I love Taken. There's like this scene in the first movie where he's like in this mansion in Paris and they've got him chained up to this pipe and these guys are about to strangle him. Remember this scene? But then he kicks butt, man. He kicks butt in such a way it's almost religious. It's like spiritual for me to watch, you know? I'm like, yeah, 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 right? But this is not the picture we have of Paul. Paul's not about to fight his way out of prison. He's not about to MacGyver his way out of prison. Paul was in prison. He had no plan and he had no power in and of himself. He had to look outside of himself. For a sense of hope. He had to look outside of himself for a sense of rescue because he was powerless on his own. He had found the end of himself. Here's what I know about us we like it when life goes our way, we don't mind hardships when we feel like they're manageable right? Like if you're a responsible person, you have a plan. You know, right now my retirement sucks, but I'm working on it. But listen, (laughs) I'm one of these guys who just, I like to plan for the future. I like to have this buffer. Like I like to know that if hardships come, I have what I need to make it not a hardship. Sometimes when I'm really bored, I play this game Minecraft. You should see my storehouse there. I have all kinds of resources because I'm a planner I don't mind hardships when they feel manageable to me. I like it when I have a plan. But we don't like it when we have to look outside of ourselves for hope. I mean, we believe the gospel, right? And we believe that our hope is in Jesus, but we get really uncomfortable when life is unmanageable and when we have to look outside of ourselves for hope. But what happens What happens though when we have to look outside of ourselves? What happens when the diagnosis doesn't change or the diagnosis gets worse? What happens when we get hit with another financial burden just when we thought we couldn't handle anymore? What happens when someone we love dies or walks away or falls off the wagon? What happens when the circumstances of our lives are screaming at us that we have failed and that we don't have what it takes? Guys, this happens to all of us. It's part of what it means to be human, to go through the seasons of life. And the Bible talks about it. Listen to Romans chapter eight, verse 22. This is Paul writing a letter to another church, the church in Rome, And here's what he says to them. He says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. Look, I've never had a baby, ladies, but I watched two be born and it looked like hell to me. So, (laughs) amen. (laughs) But Paul says all of creation, that's every created thing on earth is groaning like it's in childbirth, unending. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit, meaning we're Christians, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us helping us, but we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship or daughtership and the redemption of our bodies. Meaning this, guys, sometimes we we feel like we have life under control and we don't give God a second thought. We don't give heaven a second thought. But if you haven't been there yet, you will be in a time in your life where life will feel like a burden to you. You'll be like Paul saying, I don't know what I want more. You'll feel that groaning inwardly like, oh, Jesus, would you just come back? Because until God, Jesus comes to take us or until we die we're going to have this groaning inside for something better than what we're experiencing. So what happens when we find the end of ourselves? Paul was encouraged because he knew that his suffering was an encouragement to other people. It's really cool to read that Paul's like, hey, guess what, I'm in prison, but you know what? People in the palace guard, the prison guards, like they're coming to know Jesus because I'm in here. He even recognizes there's haters, right? There's people out there who are just waiting for Paul to lose faith. They're just waiting for Paul to just give up. And he knows that. And he wants to be a testimony in the midst of those who are just waiting for him to give up. But guys, even the apostle Paul is contemplating the relief that death would bring. Most of us have been at this point and it's not unspiritual to admit it. You're not a more spiritual person because nobody knows your struggles. You're not a more spiritual person because you're better at wearing a facade. In fact, you're in a really dangerous place. Pride is a very dangerous thing. It really leads us to make very bad decisions. (laughs) we all find the end of ourselves where we don't know what to do anymore. Second truth I want us to take with us today is this, when we have faith, we see greater things happen. When we have faith, we see greater things happen. Listen to what Paul said in verse 19. We already read it. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. We can't always see what God is doing. But we can know that it will work for our deliverance. We know it, right? That God works all things together for good. I preach that so much around four points, you probably think I only have one sermon. (laughs) For God works all things together for good for those who love and are called according to his purpose, right? We know that. At least we know that. But here's one of the problems. The thing we need to be delivered from most isn't outside of us. The thing we really need to be delivered from is not a circumstance. The real problem is not what you and I are experiencing, but our lack of faith and our lack of trust in God. That's the real problem. Sometimes I look at my life and I think to myself, where is God? Right? I've been to Haiti nine times. In these last five years, I met this little guy. His name is Frenzy, okay? Frenzy is disabled. He's a teenager. He lives in an orphanage for disabled children, guys, a place so dirty that you, most of us wouldn't even walk in there unless we had to. And of course, every time I've been there, we've given money. Every time I've been there, we've been there to support and to build that orphanage up. But there's this guy named Frenzy. He's blind. Somehow he recognizes me when I show up there. Pastor Phil, Pastor Phil. It's like, I don't know if he knows my name. Tommy's laughing. He's been there. He knows. And he always walks up to me and he grabs my arm. and He says, Pastor Phil, sing with me, sing with me. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, A, I'm a horrible singer. (laughs) B, I don't really feel like it right now. You know, like I don't want to sing, right? But Frenzy's ready to sing. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, you know, turn frenzy down, you know. So I'm like, all right, frenzy, what do you want to sing? And he goes, shout to the Lord all the earth. I mean, he can't hit pitcher key to save his life, right? Just like me, let us sing power and majesty, right? Like he just sings and he sings all the verses. And when he's done, I'm like, praise God, I don't have to sing anymore. He kicks up another one. And then he kicks up another one. And I, guys, I walk away from there thinking, man, like, with all that's going on in Frenzy's life, he's got a joy like I have never known. He sees God in a way that I've never seen God. I am a pastor. I read my Bible on most days. I preach sermons, but I ain't no Frenzy. You want to talk about faith? You want to talk about Trust. Friends, he's gotten to a place where his outside circumstances are not dictating to him whether he's okay or not. He's got his eyes fixed on Jesus. There are people right now being executed. Guys, there are people being crucified in the Middle East because they believe in Jesus with joy. Oh, the battle I'm really fighting is not outside of me. It's inside of me. The problem is I don't often see it that way. You guys know Miss Sunshine, I was hanging out with her visiting her mom this week. She made a statement to me I'd heard before, but it was such a timely reminder. She said God never will, will never give you more than he can handle now I get it, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's a good statement. I mean, when we say that as Christians, we're assuming that God is working in our lives and stuff. There's nothing wrong with that statement, but there was something special about God will never give you more than he can handle. It just rings a little more true. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Paul says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? He's talking about trials and tribulations. If God is for us, who can be against us? It's like, if God is for you, who can be against you? Let me give us an illustration here. I was taking a missions team um, into Pittsburgh and uh, Silas was there. So he remembers this story. Taking a missions team, we were driving in one of those white 15-passenger minivans that you rent from Enterprise Rentals. Can I get an amen? Some of our kids are going to be riding in that to the beach. And listen, you don't know if you're a Christian if you haven't ridden in one of those. That's that's how you know you've been on a church trip is you've been in a church van. We were driving into Pittsburgh, and it was like bumper-to-bumper traffic. I mean, it was packed, right? And I'm in this 15-passenger van. It's got a big V10 motor in it, I think, but it was packed full of people. So it's like, even when I'm like, I'm going like 30. You know what I'm saying? This, this thing is just like barely moving. So I try to stay in the right lane, but I come up on this semi-truck. And so I go over in the left-hand lane and I'm just creeping past him, you know, when out the corner of my eye, this guy with a ponytail and a Hyundai accent comes flying up on the right. I'm like, man, what is that guy going to do? Is he going to jump over this semi-truck or what? He comes flying up, and then he tries to cut over in front of me, but he actually hits the front of the van. So I'm driving, and these things are pretty stable. So I'm like, bunk, I'm like, what is this? (laughs) I look over, and he's like, he's still running into me. Like, he didn't bounce back. I mean, he's like, you know, feel the metal scraping. I'm like, oh, my gosh, right? So I hit the brakes, and I slow down, and he goes in front of me, scraping the whole way, Right? And then we come to a stop and he backs his car into the front of mine so I can't move. And we're in the middle of a freeway, three lane freeway. And I'm in the far left lane and I'm like, oh crap, like what is about to go down, right? Next thing I know, he gets out of of his car and he is acting like a crazy man. He comes up to the window, he's like, like he's beating on my window. I'm like, I'm just not going to look over. I'm just not gonna look over there. He starts pounding on the hood, pounding on the windshield. I'm just talking to people in the van, you know? (laughs) I look over at one of my interns. I'm like, call the police, 911, just call the police. So we're on the phone and the police are on there like, well, it's a lot of traffic. We're gonna try to get there. I said, look, you need to get here before I kick his butt. You understand? Like there's gonna be a bigger problem if you don't get here. But in my mind, you know, I'm 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 being aggressive, you know? Like you got that adrenaline. Have you ever had that adrenaline? We're like, I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm a little bit scared. I'm also a little ready to fight. Like, what is about, what is about to happen here? And I'm thinking to myself, man, what happens if he takes out a gun? Like, dude, I better just like, okay, if I see a guy, I need to just get out of the van because it's better for him to shoot me than to shoot into this van and my son sitting in the seat right behind me, you know? And so there's a little bit of fear, right? Mixed with all of the adrenaline. But let me give you another, so what if this happened? Right? What if he got out of that thing, started beating on the car. All of a sudden, a Black Hawk helicopter pulls up. Like six Navy SEALs come sliding down a rope. Like that. And they do like they always do, right? They come out, they're like talking in their things. And you know, they got their M4, you know? And they circle up around the van, you know, like totally secure. I would get out of that van so fast. I'd be like, come at me, bro. <laughs> what you, come on, what you got? Come at me. You just come at me right now, you know? But see, there's, there, there'd be like an added strength because I knew that these Navy SEALs were around, right? They're going to protect me, hopefully. Right, but listen, God is stronger than Navy SEAL guys. God is bigger. That's what Paul is saying. He's like, if God is for you, I mean, who in the world do you think can be against you? What in the world do you think can be against you? If God is on your side, what are you worried about? Come at me, bro. Come at me, life. What are you gonna do? Let's read on. It gets even better. And I'll try to calm down. <laughs> Verse 32. And he, God, who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him give us graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. In other words, what what is somebody going to say against us? If you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, you are clean. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. Who's going to question that? God is the judge. He's the one who justifies. Who's the one who condemns? No one, period. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or hunger or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul's talking about his ministry there. Verse 37, no, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, this term in Greek is, it's emotional depth. It's like despair. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come at me, life. Come at me, bro. Come at me, hardship. Come at me, pain. Come at me, poverty. Come at me, danger. What can they do to me? What can they do to us? The problem is when we're facing hardship, guys, we take our eyes off of God. We forget about God. I mean, here's us, here's our battle, here's God, and it's like we don't see him. Like he's not there. Or sometimes, in the middle of our trial, the enemy, the devil, because he's really smart, and your brain, because your brain is evil sometimes, just whispers in your head, God isn't trustworthy. God's not strong enough. God won't take care of you. You're not lovable. Why would God do that for you? Remember what you did? Why would God help you? Right? Have you been there? And so we we see God, but we don't see him right. But who, who condemns? Who is there to accuse you when God justifies you? When God says you're clean, you're clean. But it's hard. I've been in these seasons. You've been in these seasons. Some of you are in a tough season right now. And it's hard to not listen to the lie. It's hard to not trust when you can't control. But this is where community comes in, guys. This is where we're better together than when we're alone. Because we need help living like we mean it. We need help living like we mean it. We need help living like we believe it. Listen to what Paul says in verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or I only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one. For the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is where we become better together, guys. We are better together because we are stronger together. We're stronger together. Listen to Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes is a really cool book. It's written by the wealthiest man who's ever lived, King Solomon who literally had everything at his disposal in his time. But at the end of the book, he talks about how foolish it all is in comparison to the lordship of, Christ, of God or Christ. Here's what he says though, they're wise words. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. In other words, if you are raking the yard with somebody else, you're gonna get more done. If, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. This is you when you don't have a church community. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? This is like survival 101, right? Your body puts off heat. If you lay close to somebody else, you can survive better than if you're trying by yourself. Though one person may be overpowered by a guy in a Hyundai Accent, Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Here's what we know about Four Points Church. Here's what we know about every church. Right now, some of you are living the dream. You've got some things going on in your life, but they feel manageable to you. And God has given you strength in your faith, but it's not just for you. It's also for somebody else. And you may be here this morning and you have found the end of yourself. You don't know what to do now. You don't know what to do tomorrow. Both groups of people are present with us right here, right now. But here's what we can do, together, we can make sure that nobody falls without being caught. Together, we can make sure that the person who's struggling in their faith and the person who's strong, that both are standing because we can carry each other. Do you get it guys? My strength is your strength. Our strength is our strength. We're here for each other. God designed it that way. That's why you can't go to church in an open field all by yourself because you won't have anyone to pick you up. And if you think you won't ever need to be picked up, you're a fool. That's proven a lie in every life of every person who has ever lived. You will not be the first person to ever live who made it on their own. You'll either be picked up by somebody else or you will crash and burn with your pride intact. (laughs) Nobody needs to fall without being caught. Together, we can be a reminder to one another of God's faithfulness. When you can't see God rightly, somebody else can remind you. When you feel unlovable, somebody else can remind you that God loves you, no matter what. Together, we can point each other to the cross of Jesus. We are better together because we're stronger together. So here's the invitation this morning. Some of our guys graciously gave their time this week, so thankful for Foy Pointers who volunteer and serve. Built this cross that we have in the back of the auditorium now. And what I want us to do, guys, is I want you to identify that thing in your life that feels unbearable to you. It could be school, It could be a friend. It could be a family member. It could be your marriage. It could be your job. It could be feeling spiritually defeated. It could be feeling like you're worthless. It could be depression. It could be anxiety. What is the burden you've been trying to carry that you need to lay at the cross? Because if you give it to Jesus, he will carry it and he will carry you. So as we sing this next song, I wanna invite you to just make your way to the cross back there. There are some note cards. Don't put your name on it. I don't have to know who you are. We don't have to know that. Just write on it, because God knows who you are. Just write whatever it is. It could be the name of a person. It could be a circumstance. Fold it in half and pin it up on that cross as just a symbolic way of saying, Jesus I'm in over my head. I give this to you. This is out of my control. I give this to you. And I believe that as you do that, you will find freedom. Let's pray. Father, God, I pray that we would not leave today, this time together, feeling alone, that we would not leave this time of worship and in the word, seeing you the wrong way, God, I pray that burdens will be lifted as they're laid at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen.